I speak to you in the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. That'll serve me right for complaining that our apocalyptic season was in August, not in line with the liturgical calendar. What In B.C., give it a week and we'll... Here we are in the apocalypse again. So uh, at least it links up liturgically. So, I, you know, God must be Anglican. I think that's what we're proving today. So in this apocalyptic week, yet another apocalyptic week, I find myself preaching on the apocalypse again. I was not expecting to. I thought I had one kick at the can. But uh, Gary and Lynn Schmidt were caught down in the lower mainland on the wrong side of the landslides. And so they were not guaranteed to even be back in Vernon by today. So I said I'd be happy to take the service and take your time getting home. I'm happy to announce they are home, but uh, they really appreciated having the day off. So you'll see Gary next week. Um, and uh, so I, I reflect once again on apocalypse, and, and I'm going to move from Hebrew to Greek between last week and this week. So last week, I was really thinking about that Hebrew sense of apocalypse, the ancient Near East dreaming about end times when God wraps everything up. And there, the Hebrew version of time is linear. It has a beginning and a middle and an end. And so when we think about ultimate things from that Hebrew perspective, we think about the end of time. The Greek view of time is slightly different. It's multi-layered. So with Greek, there's chronos and kairos. And so there is this linear time, that, that same as the, the Jewish sense of time, uh, which has a beginning, middle, maybe an end. But there are also layers of time. There's a, there are, are multiple spheres or realms that intersect with this one. And so eternity is another realm uh, that is timeless that can break through into time. And so when we say at Christmas time, the birth in time of the timeless Son of God, we are talking about the eruption of eternity into temporality. And so the, the notion of apocalypse in the Greek, or in, in, the, in the Hebrew, has an analogy or an analog in Greek about the fullness of time. We don't talk about the end of time from a Greek perspective, we talk about the fullness of time. We talk about those moments in chronological time where we seem to be connected to something bigger, something eternal. And, and so that, that notion of the kingdom of God from a linear perspective is the end time when God and Jesus comes out of the clouds and creates a kingdom on earth where everything is made right. From a Greek perspective, the kingdom of God is a spiritual reality that coexists with this timeline, but is not, is not contained within it, is always beyond it. And so you have this notion of the kingdom of God, which is, is still that notion of perfection or fullness, but that it already exists, but it's our participation in it which is partial and temporary. So we can have one foot in the kingdom of God, as it were, and the kingdom of God exists. It just is. And we can be more or less a part of it, depending on the time of day or our state of being or the place of humanity. So, I'm, so after thinking about apocalyptic times in that linear sense, when things are scary and crazy, and the message last week is don't go running after the demagogues, the message this week is the contrast between this world and the next. And this day, the reign of Christ, 
is the spotlight right on that end time image itself, that this is the day to talk about the fullness of time, the end of time. Um, and because I am looking at it from that Greek perspective today, I am really taken with the conversation between Jesus and Pilate, which is intended to highlight the contrast between those two worlds. This world, which is partial, temporary, subject to sin, full of pain and suffering and, and imperfection, and the world of which Jesus is the king where perfection is brought into being. And so you have the, the money quote from today's gospel, which is where Jesus says to Pilate, my kingdom is not from this world. If it were, my followers would be fighting to free me. Um, and yet they're not, because my kingdom is not from here. In fact, all I am about is the truth. And so it's this complete orthogonal relationship. It's that, that Pilate is thinking this way about kingdoms and rules and uh, rulers and worlds and Jesus is in a whole other dimension uh, from where Pilate is and what we are being encouraged to do as followers of Jesus is put our minds into that dimension and and reflect on the difference between the kingdom of God and the kingdoms of this world and in my reflections on that difference I come to that Greek word that is underneath the word, word translated as world. My kingdom is not of this cosmos, is the Greek word. And there are some really lovely nuances to that word, um, and, and one of which is where the origin of that Greek word, the etymology of the Greek itself, is that the Greeks, one of their philosophical um, discoveries was that the world was fundamentally orderly. The universe had order. It was an arrangement. It wasn't fundamentally chaotic. There were laws of the universe, and the universe was subject to this arrangement, this beautiful arrangement, law, um, order. And so the word for the, the word cosmos, which came to mean the universe, means arrangement or system. It's the system. We live in a system. We live in an arrangement. We live in something that is ordered. And so when, when Christ says to Pilate, my kingdom is not of this arrangement, my kingdom is not of this order. My kingdom is not of this system. We start to hear some of that, some of the nuances, that, that the ordering of the kingdom of God is fundamentally different than the ordering on this side of the grave or in, on, in this timeline, if you prefer. So we can look at it from a moral and a, a, a perspective where the kingdoms of this world are built on coercion, on force, and on interests, and the kingdom of God is built on love. And so again, you have this complete different set of concerns, a different arrangement. Arrangements built on interests and coercion will inevitably be different than arrangements built on love. And so if the kingdom of God is a kingdom of love, which I think it is, then if we are to be a part of that kingdom on this side of the grave, then how are our arrangements going to be, how are our relationships and our systems going to be systems of love as opposed to systems of coercion and interest? And this is what Christians have ever since been struggling with, where we, we live in this world. We live subject to systems of coercion and interest. We have interests, and sometimes we need to be safe, and, and, and sometimes there is a, you know, the whole Augustinian reflection on uh, the just use of force is still very true. We're still in it. We can't sort of 
jump into the kingdom of God and pretend we don't live here. But at the same time, the message of today is we we are first and foremost members of that other kingdom. And while we live in this one, we are citizens of that one. And because my thinking inevitably goes cosmic, I I, I may be leaving you behind here, but here goes. Um, it's, It's not just about politics. It's bigger than politics. And I think about the second law of thermodynamics. I'm sorry, I do. Where, to put it very crudely, everything dies. The second law of thermodynamics, everything comes to an end. That's just how it is. That's how it is in this universe. It is a fundamental law of the universe. It is how the universe is arranged and ordered. Everything dies. And yet, within some spheres of it, not in the big picture, because in the big picture everything does die, but in small pictures, things grow, things thrive. There are anti-entropic forces and occasions within this larger field of entropy in which we live. And when we, when we ask what matters, it's not the entropy that matters, it's the stuff that's anti-entropic that matters. And so, and, and, and in my own strange mind, I connect this to the apocalyptic times we're living in in BC right now and the climate anxiety and despair that many of us have very close to the surface these days. Uh, there was a little editorial called Paradise Lost about a family that moved from Toronto to Merritt and had the snowboards and the skis and the bikes, and they were just, oh, this is like paradise. We're no longer in the urban jungle. We're in BC, and it's beautiful. And then this this year happened. Remember remember when we couldn't wait to see the back of 2020, and 2021 was going to be so much better? So here we are, paradise lost. And and for us in BC, uh, many of us go, "This this is not normal. This is not, this is unseasonal. You know, wait a week and we'll break another record of something. Clearly something is going on that is scary and huge and terrible and terrifying. And for many of us, we've been listening to certain scientists and commentators who have said it is scary and big and terrifying. And we may be looking at the end of civilization as we know it. That it it can go there very easily in our imagination. And there is reason to think that. And so one of the big struggles for those who actually are people of good conscience, who care about humanity, who care about people other than themselves, is what is the future of us as humanity, as a civilization, as people of goodwill? Uh, um, How how are we going to survive into the future and have a new relationship with the earth, with each other, with our indigenous people, with, you know, how do we get justice on earth? And it's becoming... Uh, urgent in a way that we've been able to avoid until recently. And how do we deal with the despair is my question. And this is where I get to the kingdom of God being not from this world and entropy. Everything dies. Human civilization will die. We don't know when. Maybe when the moon crashes into the earth. I don't know. But it will die. That's something that we know. And is that ultimately what matters? Is that how we evaluate the, the, the meaning of what happened in the meantime? To bring it down to the microcosm, the most important relationship in my life is my marriage. That will end. It's limited. Even if everything goes perfectly from now on, one of us is going to die before the other, and the other one's going to be really, really sad. And that's the best-case scenario. 
does that mean that there's no point in working on it? That there's no value to it? Of course not. Because that kingdom of love, that arrangement of love, is orthogonal to this kingdom of entropy. That in the end, in this life and in this existence, everything will die. My relationship will die. My life will end. My civilization will end. All those things are true. And that means nothing to the stuff that actually matters, which is what is happening in this moment at this time. And so it relativizes the climate crisis. And it also means that we don't evaluate something by the outcome. That at some level, even if it's futile, we do it anyway. Because we're part of a kingdom that is not of this world. And so we don't hate our enemies. We love our enemies. Even if it doesn't change them. And certainly if it doesn't win. Because we love them anyway. Because that's the kingdom we're a part of. And our frame of reference is not this entropic universe. It's not this universe where the end of the story is everybody dies. It's a universe in which this kingdom breaks through into this timeline and has moments of anti-entropic beauty and love and truth that make everything, make the journey worth living. And so we don't despair with the climate crisis and we recycle and we vote and we mobilize and we march and we do what we can for the sake of truth and justice and righteousness even if it doesn't work because that's who we are. That's the kingdom we're in. And that is a bigger reality than this one. And so Jesus, in front of Pilate, who goes to his death because he doesn't have armies to protect him, is nonetheless part of a bigger, deeper, more true and more powerful kingdom in which we are also citizens. So don't despair. We're part of something bigger. And it doesn't mean we stop working because nothing matters. It means that what we do matters even more, but the frame of reference is not this one. That's the cosmos. That's the arrangement, the order that we are a part of as followers of Jesus. Thanks be to God. Amen. <laughs>